Happy 2024. Welcome on into the 2-3 podcast. I'm Cam. That is Zach. Cuse is playing a game in Durham, North Carolina tonight. We figured we may do a preview for this. Uh, No other reason other than, you know, we want to support our boys who are in Durham, North Carolina, playing a basketball team, Zach. Yeah, we're going in, feeling hot. We're on a five-game win streak. That's second largest in the ACC. Wake has seven, but the boys are rolling right now. Ten and three. Ten and three to start the year. That feels very nice to say. There was a little bit of uh, a roller coaster, a rocky patch that we went through a couple weeks ago. And we knew that going into this year. It's a young team. It's a new coach. Of course, there's going to be hiccups down the line, but... The boys are rolling, and this recent win against Pitt really proved that. The team that we are playing against is also uh, coming in pretty hot. They had a win to number 18 Baylor. They're ranked 14th in the nation. Of course, it's Duke that we're talking about. To avoid confusion, we got to admit their name. Zach, they're 0-1 in the ACC, though. Lost against Georgia Tech. The ACC, we had mentioned this. Uh, They're looking pretty hot, all things considered, especially in the Ken Palm rankings. Yeah, we have, what, I think, four teams in the top 25 at this moment in time. But I think by the end of the year and, you know, probably January, February, we'll, we'll see a few more teams sneak into, into the rankings here. You know, Georgia Tech is one of those teams that is gaining traction. They're on that seven-game win streak. And a lot of people are kind of p- pointing them to be the dark horse in the ACC. But, you know, I think we have an argument that Cuse is actually going to be that dark horse. That's right. That feels pretty good to say that, too. I think that this is the most promising team, especially early on, that we've had in a, a very long time. And what's been making this team click as of recently is the bench. A combined 52 points from Q, from Benny, from Malik against Pitt. Zach, especially Q, the bench itself has just been on fire, but Q has just been on another level. Dude, the the bench is has been the difference maker. They're, they're the spark plug to this team. That unit of Benny, Malik, Quadir come in and totally change momentum. The way they play, the, the, the defense that they can bring to the court is unreal. And they're just, they're absolutely tearing out. This is like the fourth game in a row where the bench has contributed in huge ways and are ultimately the deciding factors of what's making, making us win these games. Now, Malik has been the person that has been coming off the bench very consistently, getting really good minutes, getting really good points. But I think the one that's really kind of surprised, I think at least both of us, in a very good way, is Benny. It it feels good that Benny is actually coming in here. He's able to get some momentum finally. Hopefully, this is finally turning a corner for him. He just overall looks like he's, he's having a better time out there on the court. Yeah, I know Benny's in a really positive situation right now, and it just really feels good that we can see him at this point in the season. You know, earlier on, there's different conversations. His whole tenure at Syracuse, there's been so many speculation and pondering and wondering, and I'm just glad things are in a great position for him, and let's see where he can take it from here. I mean, he had 15 points. He had seven rebounds. What worked for him against Pitt uh, in comparison to what we've seen from him all year long. I just think a lot of guys look for him. A lot of his points come kind of easy. You know, Judah's looking for lobs, you know, I mean, and guys are just looking for him under the rim and he's just a little bit more athletic 
than you know Malik and uh, other guys on the court that he can go up there, get that 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 tall pass and, and yam it in there. He just has the athleticism that we've seen throughout his career, and a lot of those points come from just being super athletic and being in the right spot at the right time. You know, he had a few pull-up jumpers and his jumpers looking pretty good. You know, he took a few slightly unwarranted threes, but you know, they're relatively in rotation. So you let him fly, you know, we, we've seen him make them. So you, you let him take threes if he's feeling it. But yeah, I mean, he, he's really found his offensive flow. He's feeling good. And I don't know. I think he's just in a really positive spot right now. Do you think with his athleticism and his game, the the package that he brings, that he could at least get some sort of like plays drawn up to him, kind of like we saw with Jesse last year that we've seen with a lot of other players that have that sort of athleticism and that difference that sort of not necessarily that they're a, a you know just a straight up shooter. They can kind of bring another package. Do you think that we could kind of see that from from Benny if he keeps us up? Yeah, I think so. And we didn't necessarily have a play for him last year, but he was a guy who could get his own in the paint doing his thing. And he did that a little bit against Pitt. But yeah, I, I think he's arguably like one of, the, I mean, obviously Malik is very talented, but I haven't, we don't really ever operate with him like that under the hoop. So yeah, I do think Benny could be the guy where you could draw something up for him and, and see him see him do some work. The talk of the town though, other than Judah, of course has been Kadir Copeland. 22 points against Pitt, obviously his career high. He's had double digits the past four games. He averages 26 minutes a game during that stretch. What's been working for him? I I, I feel like he's just been, you know, his energy coming in has been totally different. Obviously, he's always very, very energetic, but right now, that's a that's a mean man on that court. Yeah, they said on the broadcast in, in the Pitt game that, Q plays like he he's playing like on a little tyke hoop in his backyard doing 360s and doing all these crazy things and it's a little unorthodox it's a little you know undisciplined to some but he plays with so much energy and and it's it's working for him obviously sometimes you you you, you kind of hit your your head and you're like oh no why'd you do that but then you sometimes like holy crap how do you do that so Q's such a fun guy to watch and right now things are working for him more more than they're not He's obviously brought that consistency. You asked me this, so I'm going to ask you this. Right when we were uh, prepping, of course. Do you think Q could find his way in the starting lineup, given the recent struggles with JT and Chris? I mean, based on numbers and performance, absolutely. There's no, like, the numbers kind of say it all. I do think, and this is something we've touched on too in previous episodes, is keeping that group together you know, this is something Q has mentioned in a post game that that's the orange team in practice. Those those three guys, and you know, they practice together. They come on to the court together. They play really well together. So to keep that integrity of, of that that trio together is poetic, and they they do play really well together. So to protect that, I like the idea of not changing it, but it does seem that there there are. You know, the numbers are starting to add up where it's like, hmm, I don't know. There's definitely a case. Obviously, Chris and JT have been pretty quiet the past couple of games. Only one digit game, one double digit game, excuse me, uh, between them since December 5th, which was last year. That's that's a very long time now. But like, what's the deal with them? I think that they've just been 
missing all their shots. Obviously, Chris is just a straight-up shooter, but at least JT can kind of bring the rebounding to his game. I feel like Chris definitely is in a really sticky spot because if he's not making his shots, uh, there's there's a big there's big trouble there because there's nothing else that he can really do. JT as well, he really hasn't been shooting at all. He had one shot in the pit game. I, I'm I'm really starting to get kind of uh, worried about both of them, especially Chris, given these just, I don't know, these really odd, quiet games that they've had. Yeah, I think with JT in particular, he honestly needs to shoot more. Even like previous games, only three shots, you know, very limited shooting, which you like to see the consistency, but him and Bell are... are best three-point shooters and we need reps we need those guys to take shots we need those guys to shoot and you know look get try to try for opportunities and we're only taking one shot in the entire game it's just not enough I'm not sure why he's only taking one shot it seems like there's other opportunities I mean obviously I guess it's almost in his you know disadvantage that he has Copeland just playing so well that he doesn't have like much time to get in a game flow because Copeland's playing so well he you know obviously he's starting and you know he's still getting his minutes but he doesn't have the liberty to kind of have a a full game where he can you know get comfortable and and have just the full reps of having more playtime. you know what's interesting earlier in the year we had talked about what can this team do if Judah isn't playing well and Chris isn't making shots. Well, we're starting to see what this team can do when Chris doesn't make shots. Obviously, we haven't had too many bad Judah games, which is great. But we're starting to see what this team can do outside of shooting threes all the time. That's great. But the problem is, we kind of need everybody to start shooting threes. Because you can win in more ways than one, but it would always be nice if everything was clicking all together. And that kind of brings me to a question I've had you know, since, since the beginning, have we seen a really complete game yet? I think we're starting to unpack everything other than, I mean, we're starting to unpack stuff that we didn't know about, you know, maybe a month ago. We didn't know that Q could play this well. We didn't know that Benny could, you know, kind of get things going right now. So I don't think that we've really seen a complete game from everybody. And if it's going to be any matchup, hopefully it's Duke, but I feel bad because like I see Chris's game the past, I don't know, four or five games that he's had. And it's just, it, it just seems like something is just way off on, on his game. Yeah. In order to compete, especially in this matchup against Duke, we're going to need everyone to be at their best. I mean, obviously you go the hot hand. So when you have the bench scoring 52 points, then you're going to go with your bench and those numbers kind of substitute for their starters. But when you even look at that, like that pit game, Mui made three threes. You know, we're going to need more, need to make more threes moving forward here in different matchups in order, in, in order to win games. So that's a big concern moving forward is who is going to be able to make three-point shots if Chris and JT are struggling. Obviously, you know, other guys have sprinkled in here and there. And you know, we've seen guys be capable of making shots. Kyle Cuff. We've seen him be able to make three-point shots. But in general, we haven't had a consistent guy throughout the entire year who's been our go-to guy, which is very different because in the years past, it's always been, you know, JT 
or you know before that our, our guy Buddy Beheim. So we're still. I mean, obviously shooters always have their shooting slumps. Fingers crossed, Chris and JT are out of there soon. Obviously, the other concern is Kyle Filipowski. This is going to be the biggest test that Naheem and Malik have faced yet. He averages 18 points and just under nine rebounds a game. He had 13 points and 10 rebounds against Baylor. This is going to be a big challenge for mainly Malik, obviously, because he's been having more minutes. I think Naheem could sneak out in the competition. Obviously, he's a little bit taller. Maybe his game translates a little bit better to Kyle, but I worry that Malik is going to be a little bit overpowered here. Um, we saw against Virginia, they really zeroed in on Malik and were able to shut him down. You got to assume that Duke is going to try to do the same thing. They're going to try to go to Kyle, who's definitely their best player. I worry that Malik uh, is going to get you know, silenced here. I think that we have enough going for us that we can kind of make up for that. But really, if they're going to beat us anywhere, it's probably going to be on the boards. And unfortunately, Kyle Filipowski is a, a really, really great talent for Duke. And uh, yeah, Zach, I worry that he's going to make a lot of noise against Hughes. Yeah, I'm worried as well. And obviously, you know, no matter what, he's doing this across all of his games so far. He's going to do this throughout the entire league. He's going to get his it's just inevitable. My biggest worry with that is obviously we want to limit him to a degree, but again, he's going to get his. It's just He's just that talented of a player. Biggest worry is limiting, limiting fouls. I'm very worried that whether it's Naheem or Malik or whoever else c- comes in to try to help, we're going to have a foul situation where, where guys are getting fouls and, you know, we need all of our guys. We certainly need Malik throughout the entire game here. So I'm really worried that, you know, with a force like Kyle in the in the paint, that we won't be able to manage our fouls properly and we're going to be in foul trouble. It's really interesting that you bring that up because Malik actually had four fouls against Pitt. So I don't think it's necessarily the start of a trend, but it is something that you need to keep in mind. Would you have the confidence in Naheem if Malik were to fall out that Naheem could, you know, kind of hold his own against a guy like Kyle Filipowski. Cause personally, I don't really have that much confidence that he would be able to really hold his own like Malik would. I mean, if it's in being in the paint, I think he can hold his own to a degree, yeah. but Kyle's versatile. You know, he's not the best three point shooter in the world, but he will take them and he'll, he'll make them if, if they're open. Um, you know, he has, he takes at least, you know, a few a game and there, there's games where he shoots the ball really well. So that's Naheem's kryptonite. And anytime, anytime a, a player's versatile and can move quickly and can shoot outside the paint, Naheem just doesn't have the speed to, to cover for that. Honestly, if Malik is ever in trouble, I would stick a guy like Benny Williams on, on, on Kyle and see what he can do. Really? Yeah, that's a good idea. Or, you know, stick somebody like JT on him, try to see if he can sort of shut him down. I wonder if that athleticism would be able to translate to a guy like Kyle, because, you know, maybe height isn't really the answer. Obviously, Malik is a very, very athletic player, but that's a good that's a good point. Somebody like Benny, maybe shutting him down, being able to keep up with him, at least offensively. That could be a really interesting game plan. Red, if you're listening to this, 
I think you got to go with Zach's choice here. Go with Benny and see what he can do. Maybe, you know, I, I, you know Red usually does listen, so we'll see if it happens. <laughs> so the question is, how does the team, how does this team flip the script here? Cuse is on an eight game losing streak against Duke. They're Brutal. six and 15 overall. That's terrible. And, <laughs> you know, we, we had talked about this. It seems like the, Definitely the hype is not dying down and it's a lot more hype when the game is at home and isn't this early in the year, but the feeling against Duke really has kind of changed and it's, it's almost like, yeah, you don't want to give them the light of day because, you know, everybody kind of hypes themselves up against Duke, but right now, man, it's just, this is a young team. They could theoretically pull it out against Duke. I feel like that's they have a pretty decent shot at doing that. But going into this game, Zach, we're what? What did you say? 14, 15 point underdogs against Duke? Yeah, 14.5 underdogs going in this matchup, which is pretty brutal line to to overcome. I mean, if if you know, last time we were in Cameron Nordor in 2019 with Tyus and Elijah Hughes, and you know, they they they, they got the job done. Against the number one Duke at the time, that game was was glorious. Those are the moments when I think of this this matchup that make me excited, that make me want to hype up this this matchup and make me like really excited on you know Duke game days. But you know the eight game losing streak is a fact that makes me very just upset to think about this matchup. <laughs> it makes me sad. It makes me very sad because you know we could easily pack the dome against Duke, but man, they are a very, very good team. And I never like to admit it, but year after year after year, they put out a very tremendous program. One that always gives us headaches. I actually have a friend who is a pretty big Duke fan. And I had asked her, um, other than UNC, who would you say is the team that Duke fans typically hate you know, they, they love to hate and, and Cuse was one of them, actually. Cuse was up there and it kind of felt nice, you know, to have your rival also hate you. It's like Yankees fans hating Red Sox fans and then also vice versa. I don't know. It's just more like uh, just to affirm that, okay, yes, we are indeed rivals. I hate you. I have a reason to hate you. Duke fans, they're crazy. I'm not looking forward to seeing them. And I'm really not looking forward to seeing them this late, Zach. Nine o'clock on the dreaded ESPN primetime slot. Historically, man, we do not do well in primetime. And I wonder if Dick Vitale is going to be on the call, Zach. That would be very, very nice to at least hear from him. That would be a win. And, uh, you know, last time, I, I remember a time when, when Dick Vitale was on the call against a Duke game. And it might be one of the most iconic Dick Vitale Memories I have. <laughs> it's very nice. I do appreciate that. But hey, man, there's a lot of people that we could turn to. Again, ask you every time, who is your go-to guy in the Duke game to get the job done in Cameron Indoor? Getting a, a big win against a, a very, very good opponent. Who is the guy that you're looking to? I mean, obviously, you got to go with the guy who's been leading this team all year round which is Judah Mintz, of course. You know, he had a little bit of a of slump game against Pitt, but, you know, you know he'll be back and he'll be hungry. Beyond that, though, I really want to give a lot of positive energy to, to our forwards of JT and Chris. 
hope those guys can get it, can get can get it going against Duke and just let that ball find the back of the net. One of the best things that can happen against Duke is if you bring your own energy and shut down Cameron. Elijah did that with his full court toss. The guy to do that that has the most energy on this team is is Q. He's been hot for the past four games. I could see him coming into 2024 on a new level, shutting down that energy at Cameron Indoor. He is the guy that I'm looking to to shut down this Duke momentum. And if you're going to try to get a win against him, you got to do it really quickly. You got to get a really good start to the game. I think that it would be beneficial to get him into the game as early as you can. Like you said, Zach, get the you know hot hand in the game as soon as you can. Maybe get that bench as a whole just in there quickly as possible and try to fight off uh, the Cameron crazies. Yeah, this is going to be a great matchup for, for, for Red. The first... First of the era, Shire versus Red, Cameron Indoor, 9 p.m., ESPN. It's going down, Cam. That's right. I'm looking forward to it. You won't be hearing from us uh, for about a week. Next time you'll hear from us, yeah, it will be about a week or so. Zach and I have some pretty solid things in the, uh, in the works. Until you hear from us then, though, we will talk to you soon. Let's go, Cuse.